Howdy sports fans and welcome to another episode of Ramble. Today's episode comes to you from the kitchen of the Madhouse, which was home base for the family, four dogs, a baby, during the week of Leadville 100 mountain bike race, the Breck Epic and of course Leadville 100 ultra marathon. So please excuse any background noise. We tried our best to find a quiet spot, uh, but everywhere we went there was someone or something preparing or disrupting our peace and quiet. Puppies. Puppies. <laughs> Alright, let's get into it. Alright, man. How about we uh have to hold this like this? This is first live pod. Mm. Well, first in person pod. First live podcast. Yeah. It's uh I don't know if I've ever actually done any that I've recorded. In person? Yeah. I've done a couple. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's just generally easier yes. <laughs> myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm so used to it now. Um, all right, where do we start? I think uh, we're in Breckenridge, yeah. Colorado. Why are we in Breckenridge, Colorado? We're in Breck for a few reasons. Um, Hamish, our brother-in-law, is running the Leadville 100 trail race tomorrow morning at 4 a.m. Yep. Um, and I've been here doing the Breck Epic and did Leadville last weekend. So we've just turned it into a little family holiday. It's been awesome. It has been good. It has nice been. week. Yeah. Yeah. Up in the mountains. Yeah. It's um, like old times. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's go back, I guess. Uh, let's start with, with Leadville. No, let's what? start with, uh, let's start with Terry. Let's start with Terry. Your new dog. Oh, yeah. He's got his head in my lap. Yeah, so we've got Terry here. Terry is a 90-pound Doberman puppy. When was the last time you weighed him? He was weighed at the vet when he got uh, neutered. Right. And he was 88 pounds. Okay. He's a big boy. Yeah. But, he yeah. And when we got him, he was under. He he was like real skinny. So he's putting on weight pretty quickly. Um, But, yeah, he's a year old. And he's a... I guess I adopted him. I yeah. I, he was rescued and then I adopted him from the rescue. Um, How is that different? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it is. I've been corrected multiple times. Okay. Like, oh, no, oh you do you have to find the it. dog? Because like, if, if you, you rescue, rescue it, it, yeah. I it's like, oh, I found it on yeah, the street. Yeah. So I okay. got the dog from a rescue. Okay. Uh, out in the San Fernando Valley in northeast LA. Right, and he took a huge leap two two days ago. Dude, <laughs> so he is, I mean, we've had big dogs before, Arabella, uh, Rottweilers, Snoop, Rottweilers, yeah, not as big as a dope, as certainly not as big as this doberman. He's a big dope. He's like a horse. Yeah, he's like tall. Um, but anyway, and there, but I guess we just never put them on a leash. We never had to. No, they're always on the farm, and so. I just had no idea about their their physical strength, and then also because he's a puppy and he'd probably never been on a leash before, like he just has to learn everything. But he's like a full size dog. Yeah, 
And so him just pulling you any which way, you know, like all of that, it's just like a handful. Like no one else can walk him but me because like I gave him to my girlfriend, Sammy, and he to hold when we got out of the car one day and he just pulled her like straight onto the street. And so like, yeah, it's a whole thing Uh, anyway. And he's very funny, but two days ago, (laughs) or yeah, two days ago, we were down in Boulder, back at yeah. home at mum and dad's. And he'd never been there. Um, and we had him inside the house. And we were kind of like, we'd just gotten there. He'd never been in the house. <laughs> uh, he has a brother who's a German shepherd who's not as tall, but like as thick, similar weight, eight pounds or something. So like there's two big uh, bulky dogs who, who get along, but like also definitely have a, a like, a pretty uh, distinct hierarchy and the German shepherd is the boss. So the German shepherd always like kind of like dominates Terry anyway. Right. Cause Terry's new. Terry's new. Terry's new. Terry's a baby. The yeah. German shepherd's like six. Yeah. And also a big dog. Also a big dog. And anyway, so Terry's afraid of when they spend time in the car, Terry wants to get out and just like, anyway, so he's got out there like cruising around the house, figuring it all out. And, They'd been there for like an hour or so and I went to the back, well, the front of the house but on the, the second floor and there's a little balcony. Um, I don't know what you would call it but it's kind of like round. Yeah. Like a, like kind of like a castle-ish. It's weird. It's yeah. a weird little pokey balcony out the front. Exactly, out the front of the house and it's kind of like a semicircle. Uh, it can fit like a, a small dining table on it uh, and that's kind of about it. And it's, it's in high. A, it's high. It's like, a good, you know, story and a half high and then... Yeah, at least 15 feet. Yeah, and it has a stone, like fully opaque stone fence. So you can't... Yeah. If so you're then, at then dog the feet, height, you can't the, see... The fence is a, and then another four foot. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's a, it's a big fence. Yeah. And so I opened the, 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 the door to that part of the house and kind of just, you know, whatever, balcony... Like, yeah. I have a balcony in my place in LA. Terry. Speaking of that. Speak of the devil. Terry. Come on, Terry. Hey, big boy. You chill here. Sit. <laughs> Sit down. We also have, there's also two miniature Italian greyhounds. Well, not miniature. Two Italian yeah, greyhounds. My two dogs are here. Exactly. <laughs> and so and Terry all getting along. Terry wants to play. Yeah. And they're like, You're a little bit bigger than I am, mate. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Matilda probably weighs as much as his foot. Yeah, which is funny actually to see the size difference. But <laughs> anyway, long story short, I made this into a long story, but Terry uh as soon as the door opened, he didn't like it was sort of a strange thing where he, essentially he jumped off the balcony. Yeah. Without, but like in a way that was so crazy to me because it wasn't, he'd never seen a balcony before. And I mean, I don't know if the dog knows that this, what their spatial awareness is he like. He just like eyed it on sure the way in. He's like, okay, like, way out. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if he was thinking, oh yeah, this is going to take me like back down to the street. Right. Or what he was, because he couldn't see over it. Anyway, yeah. he just... It was like so instinctual, like he'd barely even rounded the corner to be like with his head through the door to even just see the balcony Into for the first time. And he just like, like 
like went down on his haunches, took two bounds and just launched off the balcony <laughs> and just like fully before I could even like register what was going on. And then he was in the air and I was like, he's going to die. Like it's so high, it's so high. And he launched up. Like he went upwards oh, of it too. Like yeah, it was like, like a jump, more than 20 jump into the like heaven. Yeah. And he was fully outstretched. And I expected him when he got in the air, when he realized how high he was to like freak. Freak. Yeah. Kind of be like, Ugh. but he didn't. He just like stayed yeah. outstretched. Like he totally knew what he was doing and then just disappeared behind just the back. Stuck the and I was like, oh my God. And then I just hear this like weird groan. It wasn't like a yelp, it was just kind of like the air coming out of. Yeah, like, your a, lungs, like a, like a exactly, exactly, <laughs> like a dog version of that. Yeah. And I stuck, I stuck my head over the balcony, like just for a second, because then, you know, it was like oh, any sort of like intense situation like really slows down. Yeah. So I had enough time to like. At first, I was like, he's going to break a leg, and then I sort of was watching him in the air, and in my mind, I was like, oh no, he's fine, he's going to land this. And then I was like, oh, he's going to land this, and then he's going to piss bolt, and I'm like upset. Yeah. So I kind of. You know, and that's all in like split second. So I stuck my head over just to see like what happened. And by the time I got to the edge of the balcony and stuck my head over, he was just standing. He was just hilariously standing there, like looking around. Like, and yeah, then I was like, sort yeah, of like a second, I was like, okay, he's fine. Before he gets the chance to run, I've got to get down there. So I sprinted like back in through the door, down the stairs, out through the front door. And he was just taking a leak on the tree. <laughs> and then he just looks at me and then just trots back inside. Like it was the, it was so, I mean, because he made it and everything's fine. Because well, you put on the group chat, because we were still up here, and you put on the group chat, Terry just jumped off the balcony. And in my head, I've thought of that balcony, but I was like, there's just no way. Like, he jumped off there and he's fine. So I was like, there must be another balcony. And I You're was, not thinking. And I was like, where is the other balcony? <laughs> like, in the house. And I was like, no, nah, definitely not another one. So he must have done that. Yeah. And he's totally Amazing. fine. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder, you know, I mean, you've read Born to Run. Yeah. There's that part in Born to Run where he's talking about the Russian Olympic team and how if once you make the Olympic team, uh, Olympic athletics team, they take, they like the initiation is you jump off this, there's like a pole. Yeah. You jump, yeah, it's yeah. like three, three meters high maybe or something like that. You jump off the pole onto the ground and then, and then you're in the team. It's and such like, a weird. So weird. And you, and then, you know, and then all of a sudden, like all of these athletes, they would jump off that, that pole and they would get really good. Right. And so it's sort of like this, like, oh, there's this hyper adaptation that occurs in extreme events. And then you go on to realize that the Russian Olympic team were just like completely doping, like all crazy. <laughs> it was probably more likely, you know, like, uh, Ockham Brazer would suggest that it was probably they were doping that made them way better, not the leap off the pole. <laughs> yeah, right. But, but I was wondering, like, oh, is Terry now going to be like upgraded another level? He's just going to have some sort of like extra level of strength because he survived. Uh, and I, I honestly hope not because I have enough trouble as it, right, <laughs> as it is, right, as it is, like holding on to him when we go running or whatever. Um, but, I had to do an initiation when I joined. Um, Garmin. I just I really? totally forgot about that. What the was it? Training that? camp. It's like a drinking thing. Yeah, really. It's always that. Yeah. Um, hazing. Hazing. Yeah. I, I can't remember where the training camp was even. It might have been Tucson or it was Spain. I can't remember. I think it was Tucson. I mean, similar. 
similar. I mean, they were just big, like conference hotels. <laughs> it's <laughs> so all the same. The same. <laughs> and there was like a a writer meeting called by whoever the senior writers were. I think it was Miller and Vanderveld and that. Writer so meeting. So it's like, ah, oh, shit. There's gonna be something here. <laughs> and we had like a big sponsor dinner that night. Like a big like all the sponsors were there. And oh whatever. god. And we had to do like, I don't know, four or five shots of something and then like drink a beer really fast. And then like if you didn't drink the beer fast, you had to do more. Anyway, like basically you, you had to get hammered. And yeah. Then go to this sponsor meeting. Oh, and God. All the writers are like spread out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, all the moment. first like <laughs> spread so out you're amongst like, the sponsors. Yeah, so <laughs> you're just kind of sitting there like, oh, shit. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I remember consciously thinking, like, this does not like bond me with anyone. No. It just makes me think you're all pricks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think if I've had to do That's any like initiation. Phased out now. Yeah, you can't do that shit now. Yeah. Um, like, there's for good reason. To do there it. is. Be- like, <laughs> remember when, like, Saxo Bank started doing, like, they climbed Kilimanjaro and, like... Yeah, and they, they did, did the, like, like, Navy SEALs diving Yeah, they stuff. did, like, cool stuff. Like, that... I can't remember. Some writer... Who was a writer who was actually telling me about that? And how they had just, like... It was such a good memory. Um, I can't remember. One, one of my teammates that. had done one of those camps and they just said it was, like, so yeah. worthwhile. Yeah. Um, yeah, I bet it was. They always look so good. And I just, I remember thinking when I first saw, I mean, as everybody did, you're like, what? That seems so like extreme. And also just like, why aren't they writing? Right. Yeah. And yeah. then like, I mean, I guess we've just gotten so much smarter since then. Yeah. In terms of understanding training and whatever. But yeah. It, it may, yeah. It does make they it were like th- properly hardcore though. Like people were going hungry and then like really had to stay up and keep the fire going. And someone was telling, but you kind of need who that. It was like, I feel like those are the best. Like, and then Cancellara had like this chocolate that had been stashed away. Actually, then, Cancellara has told me about those camps and he said the same thing. Right. And then, but then the, whoever this writer was, like Cancellara had this like stash of chocolate that he shared with him and then like that bonded them. Um, because they were just like starving and like up super late and like trying to keep this fire going or something. I can't remember who. Anyway, um, it's good. I thought it was cool. Yeah, that is cool. <laughs> yeah. Does does any team do any team still do anything like that? Not really. No, I think like um, there's so much. Like uh, one in the last few years, like COVID's kind of ended mm. training camps for a lot of teams. Um. And just because they realize they don't need them anymore? Yeah, well, You're like, ah, oh, wait, they, yeah, can, just, they can just train by themselves better. A little bit. But then also it's just like a risk to have everyone. So I think they've done smaller yeah. camps. And I, I like for the last few years I haven't met all my teammates, I don't think. Um, yeah, really? So you've got t- guys on your team that you just never have even never met? Never met, yeah, totally. I mean, that makes – I've d- I worked with a lot of people actually that I've never met. Yeah, the guy it, who it is this nicer podcast, though when you first time, like, meet everyone. Yeah. Little, yeah. Like you kind of, I don't know. Then at least when there's you're following. There's something about knowing like what a person is like in three dimensions. Like being able to be like, oh, okay. They're like, yeah, exactly. this is how tall they are and this is like how they move. This <laughs> yeah. is what they sound like when you're sitting next and, to them. And then whatever. you see how they interact yeah, with people. Yeah, and it kind of like, like helps you form your picture of them. Exactly. Like, yeah. 
And also, like, we would, we would do a big camp, like, my first year with EF, at least. I think that was the last time. But we, basically, everyone is there, like, all mechanics, all swanyas. At the end of the year. At the start of the start year. Start of the year. And that's really good because it's like you get to know swanyas, mechanics, DSs. Yeah. So then when you turn up to a race, you're not, like, meeting for the first time. Which like it's just weird to do that, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. That sort of feels less professional. Yeah. For exactly. Some reason. You sort exactly. of feel like, oh, what? Yeah. And I, I like be... much prefer to have relationships with people, so you can be like, yeah. oh, you know, how is yeah. it? Where are you from? <laughs> you know, or like, how's the baby? Whatever. Right. I think that's important. So, and then I guess so they don't. No teams really do that anymore. What do you uh, guys? What I did don't, you guys do? I, I don't know. To be honest, I think probably some of them do. Like yeah, I think there was like a, in hindsight, our team didn't have one this year, and some other teams did have these camps, and everyone kind of got COVID. Oh, but and they, then got they got it early and got it over and got and it out of the way, and so our team was like, okay, we need to like minimize the risk. But then a bunch of people ended up getting sick during the classics. Um, that's right. So it ended so up like, backfiring. It backfired. So and then like your like, team was Australia. There was like one month where there's like this insane, I think it's one or two months, there's this really disproportionate amount of points. Like Yeah. And we had like everyone getting COVID in this period. Right. Um, I remember you saying that because you were racing, like you were having to race. Yeah, I, was, I ended up like racing um, and I was just like hanging out in Europe, not planning to do any of the road yeah. events and then was doing them. Um just to like make up rosters but yeah I, I mean yeah i'm sure teams still do it um and i think it's very much like a it becomes like a cultural thing like yeah. some teams really place emphasis on that and like the team photo you know like the big team photo <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a big thing like i think especially <laughs> with such teams they always, <laughs> everyone has like there's some poor guy who's like doing two down under and has to fly to Holland in like December to make sure that he's just like, to be in the team photo. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is funny, but I'm sure those things are slowly phase out as well. Um, yeah, but <clears throat> what do you reckon? Are you guys doing? Are you, do you know if you're doing one this year? Uh no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't what know. would you do? If, what would you do for a training camp if you could? If I could, yeah. Remember, um, I think it would be cool to do like a. A rolling camp. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Remember that we had that idea like yeah. back with like Cam Worth back at back in. When we did the second thereabouts trip. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. Exactly, like 2015 or something. Yeah, we're just like, this is a nice way. Like you make it hard. So like mm. the riders are kind of bonding, but you're still doing something you're all comfortable with. So people are like more open. Um, and yeah, just exactly. Like, kind of like going like ride somewhere cool you know where like okay no one's like super um familiar with like where you're at so you're kind of all discovering this exactly i think that would be really cool yeah i think so too because it would be i mean you're riding still which is great yeah and you get like bikes and that sorted out because that's always a whole thing and like and then and then you know you're on the move, place to place, so you're getting used to changing hotels. Every <laughs> exactly. Night. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. People are going to get flat tires, so the mechanics are going to practice changing. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. But then you're in a totally foreign place, so then as human beings, it like forces bond and 
to grow and to like yeah. you know kind of expand your sphere of uh, understanding. Yeah, and a few nights I mean, camping and that yeah, exactly. Be good. A few things to like, like fish out of water a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I reckon that would be genius. Mm. It's like taking what Bjarni Reese did, except making it cycling, but all of the good shit that happened in that, which is like the fish out of water and these like, you know, challenging things. Exactly. Then, but then you're still riding, so you're still doing Yeah, and everyone's kind of into it. It's not like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not like, oh... You're like, not battling that thing where there's like half the team's like, this is stupid. Right. <laughs> you know, exactly. and then it like takes a long time to get everyone on board and then... Yeah. No, I think that'd be the way to do it. Yeah. That would be... I mean, I feel like EF's got to be the only... Like your team's got to be the only could team do to be it. down to do something yeah, like that. Yeah, it'd be sweet, wouldn't it? It would be sick. Um, but yeah. All right, planted the seed. Planted um, the seed. So let's talk about – wait, why were we even talking about um, the preseason training camp for? Not sure. <laughs> Not anyway, sure. We, so <laughs> moving on from, from that to we're in Colorado you, and the last race you did – well, last race you did was Breck Epic, obviously. Day, but the last time we spoke was Tasha and you had been like training hard for yeah like you'd been doing intervals and, and shit like that for, yeah had um, I done Telluride I think I'd just done Telluride maybe. yeah you had just done Telluride like maybe a day before yeah so you'd won a hundred miler I think the day after we last spoke then I crashed my road bike so yeah <laughs> what <laughs> I was actually the, I haven't fully heard this story what happened I was just out doing a training ride with um some local guys mm. and i planned to just ride my mountain bike but they were all training on road bikes and i was like all right i'll come out on the road bike like last minute decision and we went and did this like epic ride a bunch of efforts and i started feeling really good and then we were coming from gross reservoir if anyone's familiar with boulder over the back of flagstaff there's like a small descent <clears throat> and um there's like this switchback in there that i know is like tricky yeah yeah and so you crashed on that yeah just came in like very casual but they just painted the um the lines and right. i touched the inside line and just like the front wheel just like made this like and i was like oh no i'm gonna crash you and just went down and slid all the way across the road like classic road bike crash just hurts you know like <laughs> lots rash. of skin off um and then had to ride home, like clean the wounds out, do all that. Um, but I hurt my knee like on the same day, somewhat unrelated. Um, before that, I got a flat. And when we were changing the flat, <laughs> the uh, guy I was with dropped his bike. Like he was grabbing a CO2 out yeah. of his saddlebag, hey, dropped Sorry. his bike. And um, the stem like hit me right in the side of the knee. And so it did like, I felt it when it hit. I was like, oh, that's like a sensitive spot. <laughs> but then like kept riding and I was like, oh, it's, it's fine. And then had the crash and then was like fixated with getting myself going after the crash. Because at that point, I think it was like 10 days to Leadville. Right. And I knew I was moving really well and like I had this plan of what I needed to do to be ready um, in that 10 days. And then so the crash was like, all right, this is going to take a couple of days. And then 
jump back into some hard training and then my knee like blew up <laughs> so just like, completely oh, independent just, yeah and i knew what and it was just like i was like damn it this is just like unraveling yeah um and was trying to nurse it like through sessions but then it would like flare up really bad and then i'd have to like cut it halfway and then i'd be like icing it and doing everything and then just like trying each day and then finally one day rachel was just like just <laughs> stop writing and in, yeah. the, in my head i knew that's what i had to do but i just didn't want to like jeopardize what i thought was perfect preparation yeah because there's the idea that like here's this plan that i had and then any deviation from that yeah and i was like well if i can't do what i needed to do um like i'm not going to be a chance to win yeah anyway so it's yeah. it kind of like all or nothing right but in the end i just had to take time off and so what was your ideal lead up prior um, to like banging knee prior to like that um i'd done like two weeks high altitude um and then finished that with telluride mm-hmm. like a hundred mile mountain bike race so it's kind of like the exact demand to test like how everything was moving and i was like okay everything's good i just need to do like some more explosive training which I'd planned to do with um, Alan Lim and like a small crew, like the Armani yep. team were coming over with three riders and we we're going to put together some like group sessions. How's he was going to come and like kind of just smash the shit out of each like other. Like behind the bike, like what we like what Similar, we used to do. Exactly, supported um, rides where like you don't have to worry about. God. Yeah, like yep. that. Um, so we had like three of those sessions um, planned. Planned. And I like limped through. I did one okay, then like limped through another one and then skipped the other ones. Um, but in the end, I was like, I just drove the support car. On the <laughs> so last you just ones. crammed in. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so because, like, no, yeah, like the Armani crew came into Boulder, which actually turned out to be a nice thing because it was like kept me busy. Yep. Instead of just so like just being in your head. Yeah. And then like had a few physio sessions and like the first day it wasn't until the thursday before the race where i could get through like a four-hour ride and be like okay it's not getting worse um right so that's like two days before the race yeah two days before the race and then had an easy day to like consolidate that and then just jumped into the race um like I knew like like it's not like your form is going to disappear in 10 days. Right. But you also just don't, you're less sure. You haven't been able yeah. to test things. Yeah. Um, so there was like a bit of unknown going into the race, which like a race like Leadville, you know, any like crack hey, is going to... Uh, What's up, buddy? I'm here. Hey. Big boy. Hey. Big barky boy. But yeah, and any like crack is going to come right. through. So, um, yeah, I was like a bit not nervous, but just unsure um, how the race would go, you know. Hey, Terry. What do you want?
Um, exactly. And like what sort of a – so you, when you say like any crack can appear um, in a race like Leadville, like what, what makes Leadville unique as a mountain biking race compared to these other ones? Because it's like, you know. Yeah, it's just like – yeah, Lenville is just like it's pretty hard to quantify what makes it so difficult. But unless you win it, then you basically fall apart at some point, right, <laughs> you <right>. know. Um, <laughs> and then you're like, the, it, when you fall apart, it switches to like just trying to get to the finish, really. Um, so, and is that like, is it fast? Is it? It's like it's very not high. We know, so like, that's the biggest factor. Is like most of the race, well, all of the race takes place above. 10,000 feet right. um, and it's six to six and a half hours where you're riding like at threshold or close to threshold all the way. Um, so it just like slowly wears you down, wears you down, wears you down and then you basically just at some point run out of legs. Right. <laughs> um, like you can't really, it's hard to eat enough. Um and then like tactically it's pretty straightforward but it's like it's also tricky like where to burn your matches which group to make when right. to, when to commit when to like save it um and especially if you feel good it's easy to overdo it like early on and then run out of legs like come Got the pipeline you. again um so yeah, and it's just fast. Like the level's high. The competition's always good. Everyone wants to win. Yeah. <laughs> and like everyone has an opportunity to win because it doesn't suit like a mountain biker more than a road rider. Um, so there's there's an opportunity for everyone. So yeah, it's just it's just a big day out. <laughs> it's just a big tough day out, basically. And what and so you go into it i mean yeah you sort of like how, i mean how yeah how are you feeling the morning of it what do you uh i just chose to just i was like approach it just like i'm the same way could. i always would right um and like got to the start felt good um it's always cold at the start and everyone like strips down and i always wear my puffy jacket until the first aid station um did the same thing then we hit the first climb and normally the first two climbs i like struggle to get into it but i was immediately like oh man i'm on a day today like i feel good feel anything on the first two climbs and like it's like all right i'm just going to push the pace right from the beginning and just like let's thin this group out um and but that worked i think over the top of pipeline which is the second climb where the race kind of splits up we're about four or five guys yeah um and that's probably the most technically demanding descent um but i'd purposely ridden i mean chosen to ride a full suspension with a dropper like a setup with liners like a setup i was like okay this is a bomb proof setup um and was following keegan down and like very i wasn't pushing you know i was like okay this is early in the race i feel really good let's just get down this thing and then like 
race on. Um, so, yeah, following him down, giving him plenty of space. And he was on the hardtail, stiff post. So, like, he's, like, it's easy to, not easy, but, like, you can follow someone riding a bike like that um, a lot easier with the setup I had. And then, like, there's, like, one section in the middle of that December it goes uphill. And as I hit the uphill, um, I could just hear, like, the... I hadn't hit anything, but, like, I could just hear air coming out of the tire. And I was just like, no. (laughs) What what happened here? So, like, I still don't know what it was. Um, So I stopped quickly, plugged the first hole, and then gassed it up, started going, air came straight back out. So I was like, shit, there's another Another hole. And then... um, like the other hole was like right on the rim, which is like a really annoying spot. And then got a little why because you can't plug. Well, it's just very tricky to plug. Right. Um, so I got a little plug in there, and but it was it was slow and like just like guys coming past and past and past. Um, so I think I lost maybe in the process of like that five minutes there, and damn, I was like frustrated because of the day I was on. Um, and I was almost just going to like call it. <laughs> I was like, how, how much bad luck can I have? Yeah. Tires and bikes and whatever this year. Um, and then I was like, I know how long this race is. Just like ride your speed now for the next five hours. Like that's all you can do. Um, so yep. I got going. The problem is the next part of the course is like that's where you want to be wide open. Yeah. So like, I was still catching people in ones and like kind of going through groups, Um, but I was going just like just too fast for all the groups I was catching to be able to hang out and like swap turns. So I was like pushing pretty hard there, and I knew that my front tire was still losing air. Um, So I made it through the single track section and then. At the bottom of that, it's maybe six or seven K to um, Twin Lakes. Yeah. At that point, my front tire was like fully flat, but I had an insert. In oh, there, so you so can still you can like, like ride it. Manage it. Um, so I managed it to Twin Lakes and then had to stop again. Change wheel. Yeah. And so by the, when I came in there, I think I was like four minutes back. So I brought some time back, but then stopped and then... The change took a little while, so I lost another two minutes there. So I think I was coming out of there like six minutes back. Yeah. But knowing I was like, I still feel good. I'm going to come through a lot of people on Columbine, like the big climb of the day. So I just committed to that. And then by the time I got to the top of the climb, I was in 10th or something. And then just let it hang out on that downhill and... By the time I got to the bottom, I think I was sixth. Yeah, right. But there was a big group. And I was there was a group uh, that came through that was like if I could have got to that next group, it would have yeah, made like the world. But difference. there was like five guys in that group. Yeah. And I I waited like well, I got I got together with Matt Beers at the bottom of the climb mm-hmm. and he's like an engine. Yeah. But I think like his first big race at altitude 
and he's a big guy, like he was just legless. Um, yeah, right. Because Housie and I had been saying before, we're like, oh, Matt Beers is in this race. It's like, you got to get on that train after. And who, who is like, who is he? Matt Beers, he's a South African uh, mountain, mountain biker. biker. Right. And one, um, he won Cape Epic one Cape when Epic. we did it. Yeah. Um, he's just a huge engine, like super strong. Um, just very talented bike rider. Yeah. He can basically do all the disciplines. Right. But yeah, he was legless. So then I left him. Um, and then I was just solo that whole straight back. And that's <laughs> that when mentally straight, just yeah. I was like, man, I've just been in the wind like all yeah. day. You're like, I'm never going to get back. Yeah. And then I think, I mean, at that point, Keegan had dropped everyone and was just on his own yeah. on a mission. But the next group was like still three, four minutes. Yeah. And I got to within a minute of that group at mm-hmm. some point. Um, but then I went hunger flying because <laughs> like, yeah. I'd just been like gassing it and gassing not, like, it and not properly, thinking. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, I just like rode at home the sixth, which like was pretty. That's I mean, that was better than I thought when I saw you come through that first aid station. Yeah, no, it was, it was more. It was. Sort of yeah, I, like I ended up doing a ride. I was like happy with, but it was just frustrating. Like, I don't think anyone was going to get near Keegan, but yeah, um, I think I could have. I feel like I was closer to him than I was last time. Right. Um, so we could have raced and actually ridden together. And we spoke about it afterwards. I think if like I'd been able to climb Columbine with him, which I think I had the legs to do. Yeah. Like he would have been able to break the record. Also, yeah, right. Which would have been, that would have been not cool. like that I would have been riding for that. I would have been trying to race him. But um, like he was 90 seconds off the record or something. And right. He rode all that by himself. Um, so like a few turns here and there <laughs> would have helped. But yeah, it was like another frustrating because I felt like things had come together really well, like miraculously. Yeah, despite on the like day. despite you yeah. know like crashing and all of that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's just what it was, and I was lucky that like had wreck epic the next day so i was kind of feeling sorry for myself for about half an hour then i was like all right just go out and race again yeah and and then break epic first, first stage, stage. <laughs> <laughs> flat tire flat tire uh yeah i got i got i got like i think i was maybe two minutes in front um and then with 15k to go i could feel my tire going down i was just like oh man is it like same same setup totally totally different like i put like big chunky tires on um like almost trail tires right like again i was had enough of a gap to where i was like okay i know this first day is really bony like rocky i just like nurse it on the downhills and then when it's like wide open i'll just let it go but somewhere in there like toward the sidewall which is like not pluggable yeah <laughs> so it's like i could either stop fully change this tube um which is slow when you got the insert and like it's just I was yeah like, oh, i could just ride this insert so it's like okay i'll just ride that insert, insert. and got caught with like 5k to go <laughs> just couldn't do anything it's <laughs> just like, oh, man. when's this gonna end but like limited the losses to like a couple of minutes yeah and then 
just reset for like the next day because the like the stages here are like all around three or well, two and a half to like three and a half hours so they're not long but they're very hard yeah and like if you like get a gap and like can get into your groove you can make like big differences um, right and it like swings it seems to be like one day you can make a shitload of time and the next day you can lose a exactly, shitload of time exactly um, and the kid Lassie um, who like lives here in Breck he's, he's a ripper he's good mm-hmm. um, but he's also young so I was like the fatigue should right. catch up with him you know yeah. um, so I just kind of like stuck with that and then managed to on the second day managed to crack him and then i think i got eight minutes then yeah right um and then won the next stage and then the next yeah i won three four, <laughs> three stages I think. right um except for this last one uh but yeah it was a good week like like i managed to put everything together again and just focus on what i was doing um and plus this race is just really fun like the trails are amazing and like right i just kind of like the first stage i was very conscious about my tires and then i was like this and i think what happens is you change the way you ride a bit yeah because you're like overthinking it exactly so you think, it ends up you being think worse. you're trying to like then a lot of the time by going slower you hit more rocks <laughs> right <laughs> because like you, you know if you're going fast you kind of can get going over things. it you're in the air more yeah um so i just stopped thinking about it and then everything started to click um and yeah had a really good week of racing you know right and i want to okay so i want to go on and talk about a couple of other things um but before we do when was the last time you did break epic i did it last year so you did it was last year yeah it was longer than yeah last year you finished what fifth fifth yeah so like you're getting better yeah and like where and this leads into the next part but like where are the the next question i want to ask but like where are these improvements coming from are you just getting are you getting like are you more focused on it are you- um it's like a lot of things i think like i'm climbing better than i was last year here mm-hmm. like so that, that my legs are better um which has just come from, from like three weeks of training. <laughs> I'd love to say it was like a big long project, but basically when I committed to it, like I could feel improvements. Um, yeah. And I would say like a month ago, I was on the level I was at last year, but then just like doing some small things um, in training has like paid off. Mm-hmm. Um, like technically I'm a lot better and like more comfortable, uh, which helps a lot in a race like this yeah because it like it's a very technical stage race um so like i'm able to like last year i could get down with the faster guys like just yeah on the limit and then like you spend a lot of energy you know like your heart rate doesn't come down or whatever whereas this year i could like go a little bit quicker on the downhills but also be recovering way easier, and way yeah. more in control um which makes a big difference and then i think also just the mindset of trying to win as opposed to just like i'm um, at the race like that's enough yeah yeah like well let's just see what happens um that also makes a difference for sure 
Right. And then, and then, so like, and without like, this isn't a, you know, like the, you've had a lot of incident, like uh, mechanicals, whatever, like <laughs> equipment issues and not to like target any sponsors, whatever, like you are on good stuff. But like what, I mean, is that down to, and it's been across a lot of different genres. Is that down to you changing the way you ride or you still no, having just, improvements or just unlucky? It's been just unlucky this year. Like I was talking to uh, Dennis about it, Dennis Redwinden here. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we've mountain biked together and he knows the way I ride. I'm not like just smashing through stuff. I'm not like, I'm pretty light on the equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just been like, unfortunate events like there's nothing yeah. i would change in my setup right. to like make things happen but it's just like i don't know it's just, just been bad luck yeah um which is more frustrating <laughs> yeah but um like i said i think the combination of when you start to think about it more than it's in your head and then you do change the way you ride and then you have more fuck ups basically yeah. um but yeah, I'm hoping that's like done. And you, you know? feel—I was going to say—do you feel like a bit of pressure relieved that you've had a success, a really successful week here in Breck at the Breck Epic? And yeah, yeah, it's good to like put one together that like um, you're just happy with everything, you mm-hmm. know. Um, like, there's always ways to improve, but it's nice to just like get a performance out there. You're like, okay, like things are working. Um, it's also satisfying to do it you know race that's like you know three years ago I would have struggled to get around the course (laughs) really (laughs) like um, I would have been on the limit you know and then to be like to see all those improvements especially mountain biking it's like really rewarding um, because it's, it's just been like my own project more than anything like there's no reason for me to try and race mountain bikes except for the fact that i just want to and said so to like yeah it's like rewarding just on like a personal level yeah and so like last time we spoke you know we we're talking about the tour and, and you were saying how it got you kind of psyched yeah um like to race again or to to train hard and sort of be focused on on winning and that sort of thing and you you then went and, or you had to, you were in the middle of like a training block, right? The first time, first sort of training block you'd done in a long time. Yeah. And, um, and you've now had these results, obviously some bad luck. Are you, you know, are you like wanting to do more of that? Wanting to be more focused? Yeah, definitely. Um, and like, and, and, and is that focus on the road? Is that focus or more mountain bike? Um, to be honest, it's not like in any one direction. Um, the only one thing that is in my head is like Cape Epic, um, yeah. which is like I want to go back and race that. That's something that's like very – that's a good motivation for me at the moment. Um, but in order to do that, you'd have to be in a place like physically where you can also do a lot of other things. Um, right. So it's just more of like – trying to implement like small things that like not like 
dramatically change the way I ride really um, but just doing things that I know will help like come race day that are like don't impact my enjoyment of riding um, but help me to be able to race in a way that is more enjoyable which is to race at the front yeah <laughs> um, because ultimately like I am still a bike racer um, for now <laughs> you know so like I might as well you know focus in a bit yeah and so you're going to go back to Cape Epic yeah I hope so um, like yeah it's about like finding the right partner because that's um, you know Cape Epic's a, a pairs race um, but I think I have found a partner and I think it's probably the best partner I'll ever have you know who, um, who is it can you say uh, well it's not confirmed I probably shouldn't yeah okay. but um, it's like intimidating because I know I'll be the weak link <laughs> right um, but that's cool. That's good. You know, like that, that's forcing me to like up my game. Um, yeah. And also just seeing the way like these races, like the lifetime events mm-hmm. and that, like the level, the way people are approaching it. Um, it's definitely changing the events, but in a way that I think is, it's good at the front, you know, like everyone's still racing as individuals, which I think is important. Um, like the team there's no team element but people are racing you know and they're showing up already ready um, and people want to win so um, that's like also motivating because you want to show up and be in the race you know to do that you have to prepare properly Um, yeah and and that's okay so that's interesting because there was well I don't know if it was part of the series but the steamboat gravels on whilst we've been up here yeah it was on sunday yeah which you couldn't you can't do like you either do break epic or steamboat Um, sorry sorry yeah so you 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 can't do you can't do them both yeah and i I just love this race so i'm sure steamboat's a lot of fun but um i think this would be a lot more fun (laughs) so I, i decided to do this but yeah steamboat the day after Leadville, again, like a very competitive, one of the bigger gravel races in the US, um, which Keegan also won, which is like massively impressive. Yeah, and 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 that brings me like again this. So you just said like your your you think that the development at the head of these races is good, and and uh, in, in the, this lifetime series, the level of competition has risen, and the way that the races developed with that rising competition has been positive. Yeah. Um, there was an incident or not an incident, sorry, there was like some sort of controversy. Yeah, around the water stops. Water stops, skipping aid stations. Like I think let's yeah. like I wouldn't mind hearing because it was an interesting um Yeah, without being there, it's hard to like know. Yeah. But from what I've heard, it's like the I think the aid stations there are always notoriously difficult because mm-hmm. the groups are big. And there's just like not, not enough. enough. So like you're in a queue essentially. So like if you're not in there first, you're chasing anyway. Right. Um, which like we kind of had at Crusher as well where like 
a few people realize they're like, oh, I just carry an extra bottle and I won't have to stop. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you can um, like skip an aid station. Exactly. Like I just don't have to deal with that. Like I'd rather take the penalty of carrying an extra liter, which is like significant. Like it counts. Yeah, for um, sure. But then I don't have to get involved with the whole ring and roll and chase and potentially not get back. Um, so I think like a lot of the hitters had to, like decided that like, all right, let's just carry everything. Um, and then some hadn't. And like, so uh, some stopped, some didn't. Some stopped, some didn't. And I think what's happened in these races in the past is like, there's a person in there who's like a favorite and they're like, all right, we're going to stop here. Um, and everyone and stops. Stop. And I think some of that comes out of convenience for whoever the favorite yeah. is, you know, because they're like, okay, if everyone stops and I can control this, then like, yeah, it works to me. It works for which me. Which makes sense. Um, so I think there was some contention there when like there was an aid station when people didn't need to stop and some people did. And right. They stopped and had to chase, you know? Yeah. Um, but they also hadn't carried as much water for that point. So in my in my opinion, it's like, People talk about the spirit of it or whatever, but it's like just be, just be self-sufficient. You know, I mean, what that I mean? feels like even more in the spirit of it. Yeah, exactly. I, in my opinion, it yeah, is. it's like if we all just agree that like, okay, the aid stations are there if you run into trouble, yeah. but like, let's not rely on them. You're it's using a, less. It's a six-hour, seven-hour race. Mm, right. You can carry enough water. Um, and I think, for me at least, like that was I didn't expect that to be the controversy. Like right. I remember last year, the controversy at Steamboat was male riders helping female riders. Right. Um, and I'm like, damn. Like this that's is like a, that's this cheating. Is a, this you know what I mean? Exactly, if someone's stopping cheap, to get water right? for you, that comes back to that team dynamic, yeah. which I don't think should be in it. Exactly. And but was, as far as like carrying more water, that's like running bigger tires. You know? Exactly. The same thing. It's, it's like okay, I'm strategy. I'm gonna take the hit and push more watts all day but i know i'm not going to have to stop for five minutes changing a flat and the thing about not stopping is that anyone can do that yeah exactly it's not like you need a piece of equipment or you need like a certain amount of access to intellect or whatever that, yeah you know that is only available to some people no that allows you to do that it's like no and, and like can it can also backfire, right? Totally backfire. Like, like people could Run not carry water. the water and stop and get back and then they've also just not carried two liters for Yeah, so they've used way less. K, exactly. You know, exactly. and then they're more fresh. Um, which exactly like you right. could still go with that tactic. Um, but if you want to be sure and like if you're confident in your ability and you're like, I'm going to be at the front anyway, like just carry my water. Um, so I think like, Everyone's like, oh, it's a big shift. <laughs> like it's a, it's like a monumental moment. You're like, it's not, it doesn't change anything. But I think the biggest thing with that race was like, like move went mm. with like serious peak guys in it mm -hmm. early on and they got eight minutes and then it was like, all right, we need to decide uh, how we're going to chase. And everyone's looking at Keegan because they're like, well, you're the strongest guy in the country right now. Right. And... Everyone in that group, from what I understand, was willing to lose to see him lose. And then he still took the race on 
when everyone thought it was impossible, closed the gap and won the race. Won that sprint, which you're like, that's huge. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't think, uh, like that was a bigger dynamic than the, the aid station. You know what I mean? Right. And I think if if anyone like seriously thinks that that aid station was the difference between them beating Keegan, like they're kidding themselves. <laughs> yeah, and clutching at straws, like yeah, people like freaked out. Um, but it's also like it's not the first time things have changed. You know, but, like I think like when we first showed up to gravel races, we came in with this idea of like, all right, let's not really like not rock the boat. Mm just approach it in a very relaxed like and at that same time other just pros were coming being in there yeah with their bars with skin suits yeah like, and salaries put, yeah and also being like owning the fact that they're like okay we're changing it yeah and then now it's changing on them and they're like well i just wanted it sad. to change as far as i wanted it to change and you're like well you know, you kind of started this wave. <laughs> it's going to keep getting faster. Exactly. And I like, and to be honest, I mean, the whole point of gravel is, well, not the whole point of it, sorry, but it's spawned out of like an evolution of the sport. Yeah. Right. Like, and it, you know, and, and also it has... it's like, if you want that experience that's not hyper competitive mm-hmm. and that is like enjoying a big day out on the bikes, having an adventure with your friends you can just go back and do <laughs> exactly you know like yeah. you don't have to race at the front well that's the beautiful thing about the fact that it's you can just enter us and you know there's a thousand other people out there just doing it exactly exactly like go do that you can have yeah you yeah. can have that experience if that's what you're looking for yeah um which is cool you know yeah anyway i i was just i thought it was a i thought it was a to go back like to close that loop on the on the last year the the controversy of last year's race you know you're like damn this is the way it's going to go like that's that's a shame you know it's kind of going to the dogs and then and then this year to know that okay wait the controversy was that someone like was more self-sufficient yeah exactly okay now we're talking yeah this is this is where the strategy or this is where it's exciting to see that that's where the strategy is going exactly right i remember it reminded me of um this has got to have been 20 years ago. Where's Dad? Is Dad back there? Hey, Dad, yeah. remember the Bathurst 12-hour? What year was that when the Ford um, the Ford Fiesta came third? Oh, my God. It was like 20 years ago, and it was like motor racing, 12-hour event, you know, like all the V8 supercars, but then it was like all the cars were in it, and there was like a little Ford Fiesta. Ford Fiesta's like, smallest shitbox car like, <laughs> a little like that's all your grandma a has. penny little car exactly a little penny yeah but it was really fuel efficient and right. i think dick johnson or someone was like a good driver was driving it right and they'd work and it out. came third they worked out that they could stop like way less. half as half yeah. as many times in this little turboed uh like 1.8 liter four-cylinder yeah engine or whatever it was and and they finished on the podium right and i at the time i was like whatever but I always come back to them like that was sick. Like they just, I mean, for whatever reason, like the guy. Well, they're like I can't compete in purely like out and out, wheel to wheel speed. Right. But, but I can here's find another way that way. we can do it. And I think like it's it was like you know racing against like the equivalent of Porsche GT2 and yeah, all of those cars was sort of like the level. And, and I mean that's ultra racing essentially. Right. You know, like you can have a really strong 
athlete. Like, if you look at like um, Badlands last year, mm. right? And like Alistair Brownlee was there. And the dude's like a two-time Olympic gold medalist. Yeah, um, right. And just incredible athlete. Two-time so, Olympic gold medalist in what? Forgive uh, me for... Olympic sprint distance. Um, oh, wow. Triathlon. Yeah. And incredible athlete. And yeah. Obviously, I think through COVID, there wasn't competition or he was looking for something different and entered that race. And um, I was following it because I'd done it done the before. before. And there's so many, like if, if you were mad, like if it was a power test, he's going to win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but there's so many little factors that brought him undone, like tires. Um, then I'm guessing just not having the experience in a setting like that. Right. Um, and got beaten like very handedly. Um, so I think that's what's interesting about those events, you know, um, there's not and i think it's cool if you can bring that into gravel racing in a way where it's like all right you can be creative with bike setups exactly you know, like you might say all right i don't have the legs so maybe i'm going to risk it on a fast tire or a lighter bike or like oh no i'm going to get dropped on the climb so i'm going to have to rely on descending so i'm going to run bigger tires and like use that to my advantage like i think there's a lot of interesting things that could come out of it which ultimately like as a participant makes it more interesting but also as it becomes more of a spectator sport it becomes more interesting it becomes more interesting it's not like the tour where it's like okay everything's essentially equal it's a pure um fitness test right tactics yes like ability to race in a bunch yes but like the ver- there's no other variables outside of that. It's not like we're going to stop for a feed here and lose time to yeah. then make sure we have enough energy and in the back end maybe we're going to be stronger. Um, or like, you know, there's a one really rough gravel section but the rest is like really rideable so I'm going to run 32 This tire set up, exactly, <laughs> or know? like this pressure or whatever. Yeah. And um, that's, like I found that really interesting when I did one season of the – when the last season of Red Hook Crit. Mm. And, you know, I, I really had no idea about it. And, you know, racing on the road, you pretty much run what you've run, right? Like mm-hmm. playing with tire pressure isn't going to change. Well, I mean, maybe it does, but at the time I, we didn't. didn't really know about it. Yeah. And so like it doesn't change that much. And then I get to Red Hook and, you know, it's a, 0.6 mile course, one kilometer long course, with like nine turns in it, <laughs> brakeless track bikes um, with a lock nut so you can brake. And all of a sudden it's like, all right, how do we ride this? What tire pressure do we run? Like what gear do you ride? Because you're like number two in our train versus guy number four. Right. And then what become, line are we going to ride? What line are we going to ride? And I think, I've, I think I've said this, like then it's like what line are we going to ride in order to you know, like you'll take like you'll take a bad line into a corner because you want to ride, you want to close. The Make door. sure no one can come exactly. Through. Right, and like and you do it, you know, and it's all about how, what's the what's the line sure. that we can walk without like shutting the door and being dangerous, but also like making sure that we use out every Everything, possible every thing tool that we can. Book. Yeah, and and it just became so fascinating, and that's like all we were talking about, and all we would talk about, and and I was like, this is a huge part of this sport 
um, that will engage spectators because everyone loves equipment. Yeah. If you're doing this sport, right? Even even like me, someone who says I don't really care about equipment, like I still am fascinated by it, even though I'm not like chasing it down or whatever. Like the small incremental changes is fascinating. Yeah. And so like you know there are commercials on TV of Formula One car pulling in, pitting, wheels changing, car leaves again. It shows none of the race, none of the whatever, and it's like a commercial for a sponsor for Red Bull or something. Yeah. And people watch that and they're like, holy shit, that was sick. And it's amazing. not even the race. It's like just the pit it's stop. The pit so stop. there is well, I mean, an if appetite you, for that. Yeah, like that's the most interesting thing in F1 racing right. is strategy. Right. You know, like because the cars are so evenly matched that strategy has to be yeah. becomes a huge part of it. Exactly. And then you see these huge swings like late in the race. Um, yeah. Which like that's what keeps you really engaged. And um, flips it on the head. So anyway, yeah, so I think I'm, it's I'm like all for it. I think yeah. it's good. And um, I think it's exciting to see. I think if it's like, as long as it's not like you show up with five teammates and every time and you, you get you a flight, you take it. a wheel and then you skip the aid station and they grab your bottles, like the brake goes and then you get to say, ah, just put my guy in the front. Like then that's when, that's what would, in Ruin. my mind, be ruining it. Yeah, exactly. Because we'd just be making it the same as something that's already there. Exactly. Which like... I think if everyone's honest with themselves, if you showed up with uh, eight World Tour riders and like applied that tactic, mm. it would work. It would, yeah. <laughs> you you would, think it would. You, you, you'd, so you would you win a lot that, of races. You don't think that there would be enough attrition just by virtue of I mean I don't think it would be as straightforward but I think like it would vary quickly like it's like yeah. when you watch Strata Bianchi it is a gravel race um, yeah I mean yeah it is we've ridden those roads it's that, slightly more interesting than a regular road race but it unfolds pre- in a pretty similar pretty much yeah way the thing like that, that makes it interesting is probably more so the terrain totally but if, it, if you took the those the road. riders and then said you're all racing as individuals that race would be wild. psycho. Well, that's why worlds is good. <laughs> you know? I mean, every time you get like the Olympic road race, right? Small yeah, field, yeah, exactly. You get in there and you're like, it's just crazy. Yeah, what's happening? Yeah, yeah. Why isn't it like this all the time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you sort of you work backwards, and gravel is kind of that. It's yeah. Small field, it's less riders. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you would mandate it against that because, like, I mean, I guess it, when the time comes, yeah, you would establish. I think like, that's the one thing like they will have riders. to. Like they're just gonna yeah. have to cut out at some point. Teams, limit of yeah, not even like like I mean the same with like well collusion. Remember there used to be collu- the, ru- collusion. the collusion rule. <laughs> yeah. Remember as juniors, yeah, like on the track, like oh you're like, colluding, like yeah, you two were colluding, <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> right. Like you were working together, and like yeah, we're on the same team. Like yeah, you're actually not allowed to. Yeah, which like in junior racing, which you was cool. In junior racing, you weren't allowed to. You had to, which was good. Yeah, like um. Yeah, let's 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 get the collusion. Yeah, the collusion rule. Right. Let's make some T-shirts. Collusion with a question mark. <laughs> I mean, was it? Yeah, but there's also ways like you can form alliances. Yeah, in the race. Right, like on the when we were going up uh, power line, and uh, I spoke with Finsky, and he was like, "Oh, Keegan wants to go for the record here." Mm-hmm. And that's the only way it could have come undone, right? Is like getting too fixated on that. So we're like, well, let's let him go on this climb. Um, right. Early in the race. Just like 
that sit up and let him go solo with 140Ks to go. Like, that's the only way we're going to beat him. Yeah, right. And we did, but he didn't buy into it. Right. He waited up and then it was like, okay, back, race on again. Yeah. It's just like, um, go for but it. like that is still, you're not working together. Well, you're no, because like, it's not predetermined. Yeah, you're just like, okay, there's someone stronger here. How is anyone going to have a chance of beating them? Right? I feel like if eight guys showed up from like quick step, mm. I just feel like that's the sort of team that would show up with eight guys. Yeah. And everyone would just gang up on them. Yeah, The exactly. whole rest of the field would just be like, fuck. Yeah, but if there was three teams, then, then it would you be, couldn't yeah, compete. If it was three, it would be annoying. You know? And um, the thing is, if one team like that shows up, then every other team. Yeah. Well, Team Sky had a rider. Worthy wasn't one of them. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Worthy, Worthy was just being Worthy. You know, he wasn't yeah. team skying it. He was no. still, he still didn't have a bike. Love like that guy. Twelve hours before the start. Yeah, yeah, it <laughs> is know? classic. Is he still racing for Sky? Yeah, like, yeah. Next year. Yeah, yeah. He's he's doing Kona still, yeah. again, um, but he's racing a lot on the road. Yeah, um, I know. I see him all the time. And he's still strong yeah. as hell. <laughs> yeah, what a career. Yeah. Um, interesting. Anyway. Yeah. I think you've got to go. Yeah, I do. Um, it's 5.38. Okay. Um, go. Presentations. Yeah, go get that gold medal. Medallion. <laughs> exactly. Put on the mantelpiece. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. Well, nice one. Good to do it in person. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Anchor. Right. Anchor. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, consider becoming a member. You can sign up at our website, thereabouts.ghost.io. It's the support from you, our fans, that make these shows possible. So, from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much. And if you're interested, please get involved and get behind us. Ramble is produced by Lachlan Morton and myself. Mixed this week by fellow Aussie and stand-in Craig Williams. Executive producers are Isaac Carson, Abby Levine, and of course myself. And the original score is composed by Lockie. So there you go. Until next time, thank you so much for listening.